A plot to steal a top-secret instrument vital to the United States space program poses a challenging case for Frank and Joe Hardy. The whereabouts of their famous detective father is a mystery, so Frank and Joe are on their own to foil the plotters. After rescuing a South American stowaway who mutters a cryptic warning about footprints and then flees, the boys learn they are up against a ruthless espionage ring. The next day, Frank and Joe discover that documents belonging to Mr. Hardy are missing, and, noting strange footprints under a window, they suspect the stowaway. The young detective's search for the diabolical mastermind of the footprint spy ring takes them on a flight to a group of islands off the coast of South America. Here, they risk the wrath of a cruel dictator and also make a grisly discovery deep in the jungle. During a spine-chilling vigil in a cemetery, followed by entrapment in the flooded compartment of a wrecked ship, the courage and resourcefulness of the Hardys and their pal, Chet Morton, are tested to the utmost. This is Footprints Under the Window. Yeah, they go meet him later. They go pick up Tony. I just am imagining Frank, like, pulling on his swim trunks with, like, his huge gauze-wrapped, like, headband to John. <laughs> Going it's to all, take like, it off? matted, like, d- like black with matted blood, you, you, you know? You can't take that off, Frank. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. just gonna go for a little swim. <laughs> it's 2018, and everyone gets a podcast. Mine is the Hardy Boys Drink Book. Each week, I sit down with hilarious and creative people to talk about a book in the Hardy Boys Mystery Series. Then we have one of our favorite local bartenders mix us up a custom cocktail to sip while we read. Today's cocktail was created by Kirsten Negi at Cap City. Gather your obscure ingredients and bar tools because Kirsten's about to tell us how to make today's drink. What is this called? What is this fabulous creation? The Dirty Pickle Martini. Yes, that's a perfect name for it. Um, Okay, well walk me through how somebody could make something this delicious. So... First, you put ice in your martini glass and some soda water to chill the glass. Okay. And then it's three parts, or about an ounce and a half of, we use Kettle One Vodka. Okay. Another ounce and a half, or three parts of, we have a house-infused house peckle pepperoncini garlic vodka, and then a little bit of olive juice for the dirty. Well, I will be dirt. asking you uh, more questions about some of those ingredients okay. a little bit later. But okay, and then, and then you vigorously shake it. Right. Dump out the ice, pour the drink in the martini glass, garnish with olives. I can tell that you've shaken this appropriately because there's chips of ice in it, oh, which I always good. appreciate. Good. Okay, great. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you again in a little bit. Okay. That sounds delicious. We'll check back in with Kirsten at the end of today's show. Today, I'm joined by my brother and co-producer, Jack Wefson. Don't throw a party while your parents are out of town. Save an illegal alien from drowning. And get an all-access pass to a government research facility in Hardy Boys Drink Book number 12. Footprints under the window. Hello, detectives. Welcome to the show. We are here uh, to talk about the twelfth book in the Hardy Boy series. I am here with my brother Jack Wefso. Who I'm also, back. Yeah, Jack's back. He also co-produces the show with me. Alas, I return. So this is Footprints Under the Window. Oh yeah. And from the cover, we can yeah, automatically can we, say. Can we just start with the cover? I think we always should. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to take a crack at describing this, and right. maybe you can kind of jump in when you feel you need to. Absolutely. So in the foreground of the book, we have uh, Frank and Joe Hardy, and another ch- chap who has his back to the the viewer, but we can assume is Chet Morton. Yeah. I think. And they are wearing uh, these adorable straw hats, and they're they're they also- all have matching little straw little straw hats. hats. Yeah. Yeah, they match. And uh, they're outside of like an island hut. Yeah, it's like thatched roof. Yeah, thatched roof hut. And then kind of marching towards them out of the jungle is a young Fidel Castro. Like clearly yeah. a young Fidel Castro. He's wearing green fatigues. He's mm-hmm. got a, uh ammo belt, like a, one of those pouch belts and a big yeah, belt. Yeah, he's got and the, the, like the, the green cap, the green yes, Castro it's cap. just Castro. Yeah, exactly. And then there's a, a man next to him, handlebar mustache uh, with uh, machete. Yeah, a couple of guys with machetes. And an ammo belt of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're very clearly Cuban revolutionaries. Cuban revolutionary. Well, they are Central American island dwelling, <laughs> right? Revolutionary, right. and that kind of happens a lot in this book. That, yes, that we are we are on an island hostile to the United States. 
Well, before we get too far into it, I want to talk a little bit about the Hardy Boys Mystery Series. The Hardy Boys Mystery Series were written by Franklin W. Dixon, who is better known as the inventor of... The Dixon Ticonderoga Pencil, of course. Absolutely. And uh, the books were written in the 1920s, but they were heavily rewritten in the 50s to kind of update them, update some of the technology, some of the terminology, and... uh, Give the boards more more money. More money, more respectful of authority. But we were saying that this book is very clearly updated yeah, yeah, to yeah. the 1950s. Super fif- the rest of them kind of exist in this, like, no time pre-1960. But, but this I, is clearly yeah. post-World War II. Screams 50s. Early Cold War, mm-hmm. Central America. Yeah. Though, I got to say, I was pretty disappointed at how little of this book actually takes place. I mean, I was expecting it. Obviously, I've learned my lesson at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the Montana one. They did go to Montana for like the whole thing. The whole book. So I keep expecting that at some point. But Mm -hmm. no, no. I'm not going to say it's not awesome when they go yeah but. yeah it was it was pretty cool but no i'm with you i mean it, it it takes the cover of the book so obviously it they want us you know to be hyped for this island adventure but it does take us a long time to get to the island right and we don't spend a whole lot of time there but the adventure is fun so i want to make sure everybody gets out their bingo cards please go on oh yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, gotta website. Get my in the show notes we'll have a link to the bingo cards and uh every episode i'm going to add i'm going to start to add stuff to the bingo list oh. so that the bingo list will get more Populated. And Do a little... you want me to suggest things? Uh, as, as we, we go, go, I think that would be great. Okay, uh, cool. Some things that need to be on the bingo yeah. list next time. We'll write some of those down. Yeah. I generate myself a new card. Okay. I great. feel like I feel like I have a, a stacked bingo card here. Mm. I feel like the odds that I am going to end up with a bingo by the end of this are quite well, high. First impressions about this book. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, first impressions are. Um, this feels like a mystery book. Right? Like, um, yeah, like, like this definitely falls more into the, like, Johnny Quest. Absolutely. Yeah, I like thought a lot of Johnny Quest, a little Indiana bit of Jones. Yeah, 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 a little bit of that. But less of that, like, Encyclopedia Brown, Boxcar Children. Riding around bicycles. Yeah, yeah, Following yeah. people in libraries. Playing dress up. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot more, um, they're, they, they're jet setting and they're going on adventures. We're starting to get, I feel like, into the things that I remember about reading Hardy Boys right. books when I was a kid. Not that I remember any details, but that they were these high-flying set adventures. pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. are some fantastic set pieces in this book. That's um, very true. Okay, a lot well, of locales. We can jump right in because, as far as great set pieces, one of the big fundamental parts of the story is this laboratory called yeah. Micro Eye, which I have so many questions about. Micro Eye. I feel like everybody in town knows what it is. They're they're riding by it, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, that's Micro Eye. They make a top secret military." Technology. Yeah, they basically are like it's a high tech like camera company. But don't you think it would be more like Hawkins Lab from Stranger Things? Yeah, where they like isn't that what it's called? Something Some, like that. But yeah. like no one knows what they do. Yeah, there. it's that brown building out at the end of that long cement road that doesn't have a sign out front of it. Right, and like I think it's a waste. It's a waste. Yeah, treatment plant. Yeah, exactly. You know, it looks like it should it should be something else. Yeah, when it's named Micro Eye, like I'm immediately suspicious of what is going on there. You know, but like I went to college. In, in Greeley, Colorado, and at the time there was a Kodak like film plant um, okay. outside of Greeley, and if you drove past that plant from the wrong angle and didn't see the giant Kodak sign, mm-hmm. you would think it was some like massive secret government installation. Because sure. I remember that facility just went on for like. It was like square miles of space and all these crazy towers. And uh, I remember one time, just this was before GPS, and like driving to meet a friend or something, getting lost out in the like country roads of Greeley and finding this place in the middle of the night. And uh, yeah, it it was a big imposing facility. So I kept maybe that's just like my history. Sure. I kept imagining the Kodak plant. I think that's <laughs> as perfect. Micro eye. I remember. I think it's in one of the Hellboy movies where they the BPRD is like located, and I'm not sure if this is comics. Can mm. appropriate, but it's like located under a sewage treatment plant. Oh. And I remember somebody in a review being like, "Oh yeah, like they would be under that like giant, uh, you know, that building is the sewage treatment plant." And I was like, "That person has never seen Denver's sewage treatment plant. sewage treatment plant, which looks like it's the layer of the criminal syndicate of Gotham." Yeah, totally. Or yeah. or that there is a secret. Or yeah, it looks the, like it looks the like the like a Mako reactor from like Final Fantasy VII right. or something. Yes, yeah, yeah, the totally. Men in Black operate out of there or yeah. something. No, it's a very cool. Cool-looking, a terrible-smelling place. Yeah. Um, so when the book starts, they're driving past Micro Eye in a convertible. Oh yeah. Now, have they had this convertible? Did so, I check out somewhere along the I, way? In one book, they got a sea green car. They used it in a ruse, and they never sold it. But then in the next book, they had a convertible. So, so yes, they're driving car. by. Okay, yeah. yeah, but they're driving by in their a sweet convertible. Nancy Drew has a convertible as well. I guess 
you know, all the rage. Not super practical. Come on, man. When you were when you were a kid, oh, didn't you? You were like every car I'm going to drive ever in my life is going to be a convertible. Why would you even get a normal car? Right. Well, we grew up in South Dakota. Yeah, exactly. Your very first winter, you find out why. You're like, oh, that would be the worst. <laughs> uh, that's why motorcycles seem so cool in the summer. But as they drive by, as only would happen to the Hardy Boys, they see a person with like wire cutters trying to cut trying to their cut, in, cut into the chain link fence on the side of. And the... they're like, oh, let's get him. And yeah. The, they, yeah, so they jump out of the car. And just run. charge this dude. Just, yeah, who, uh, who sprints away, gets away, right? Do they catch him? Before he sprints away, he sees them running at him. He stands up and takes his bolt cutter shears and throws them directly at Frank's head. Whoa. And, like, misses, and, like, Frank has to, like, turn, bullet turn time. his head. To the, yeah, he bullet times it, and it, like, zips past him. And, uh, and, and in, in the movie, has, they do that, like, speed tracking thing where it's, like, yeah, and yeah. then like it goes real fast again. Yeah, like, yeah, right Wonder past Woman. him. Yeah. But I think Joe does have time to say like that almost took your head clean off before they give Short chase. Short book. Yeah, if that, if, like Frank died right away. Page two. Some random guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they immediately after that, I think they just go. Do they ask around? They go. They, yeah, they, they chase they go him. Tell yeah, and he runs into the woods, and yeah. then they follow him into the woods, and then through on the other side of the woods, he jumps in a running car and takes off. Which I'm like, why did they make him tromp through the woods? I don't know. Like, why was the getaway car so far away? When we would have parties in high school, we would park um, oh, in a yeah. parking lot in front of this church that was across like two cornfields from the guy's house that we used yeah, to party at. That's a good. So, that's a good move. Because right. then everybody has to run across the cornfield. Sure, they're not going to catch all of us. So, uh, speaking of that, apparently the boys have been home alone for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. Not all the adults are gone. Yeah, Laura is visiting relatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fenton is just gone, undercover, yeah. deep undercover in a case. Yeah, they don't know where he is. And Gertrude's been in South America. Yeah. Which I got so many questions about Aunt Gertrude in this book. And yeah. Like, the, from that first moment, I was like, Aunt Gertrude is in South America? Well, she makes me think of one of those unmarried childless people that are over like 40 or 50 or whatever who go on cruises and that's their thing they go on like two a year and they like all their friends they all the people they know are the people that are on the same cruises does aunt gertrude come off like a cruiser to you though she She does does in that like she would yeah like she would complain the whole time they would always be compared to the cruise in alaska that was so nice yeah yeah, they're like I don't think she'd have a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she would go. Yeah, it's the like Monty Python where the travel agent is talking about all of the normal like travel right. guests, and they're like, "Oh, you know, we loved it, but the wine is terrible, mm-hmm. and it's oh, it's a show shame they don't do tea like they do at home." Yeah, oh yeah, she'd be that kind of that traveler. kind of traveler. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so she wants to see the world, and also a cruise ship is like the laziest way to mm. do it. Where, like, you don't make your itinerary. But she didn't say she was on a cruise ship. No, she's that's true. traveling she's... in South America. Yeah, and that's right. And she's on, like, ship. She's on like commercial. Yeah, and she's buying her uh, She's buying her passage from ship to ship. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. How, that's how we find out about this is that they. But that's also how people used to travel around yeah. the planet. Yeah, that's true. That's Which true. Which is weird. It's one of those when are we, what, you know. you ha- Yeah, I feel like uh, before we started this podcast, I had to Google a couple technologies to find out when they were invented. Right. But they find out um, that she's like going to be home tonight. Tonight. Right. They get but a letter. They didn't throw a party. No. But uh, the thing because that kinda, the house is too messy. The house is too messy to throw a party. No. So they spent all day cleaning up. Yeah. And oh, you're saying they didn't throw a party while everybody was gone. No. And maybe Chet, there weren't Chet enough cornfields par- around their house for See, people to park far enough away. Chet had so many cornfields that he was able to land. That he was able to, to land to a plane. party no, I in an airplane in one episode. Yeah. So yeah, Chet's the Chet's the house with the parties at it. Right. But I thought you know they could have thrown. Some yeah, sort exactly. Of thing. But they probably don't want anybody dicking around in their lab. Oh, yeah, that's right. Screw them with all their chemicals. Yeah, exactly. And they, their, their uh, footprint plaster cast kit. Right. It's a wonder they didn't have that in their pocket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they go out to the docks to meet Gertie. And yeah. when they're waiting, they're- Race uh, to clean the entire house. And yes. Then they, and then they go Classic, to Classic, which yeah. is very relatable. And act- right. actually, like, relatable teenage boys. Yeah, 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 it's totally. It's not like, oh, they, like, extra spiffed up the place. No, they're like, oh, my God, we haven't done any laundry or done the dishes. Yeah, they do, they do get everything done. And then Joe's like, laundry. She doesn't get off the boat she's supposed to be on right but a guy leaps off of a boat right which i think would be pretty cool if a ship a person jumped off the side of like a shipping yeah uh, that's a huge ship though that guy probably fell like 20 30 feet to the water i'm guessing or more and then the hardy boys ran to save him also he jumps off the back of that so the first thing i thought was like propeller no he misses it they actually state that he like misses the that he like 
clears the oh. back propeller of it. Wow, that's um, amazing. And they view this from their sleuth, because from the yeah. sleuth, right? Because they're like, we're not just going to wait for Anchorage crew to come in. We're going to get on our boat and we're going to go down it. and like cruise alongside it and like wave at Anchorage. boys. I know, right? Just uh, showing off. They save the guy who dove off the ship, mm-hmm. and as soon as he wakes up, he's like a scared deer. He yep. like just starts kicking and runs away, mm-hmm. but he says footprints. Yeah, he says footprints are going to get you. Oh, and they, they try and calm him down. Right. They're like, hey, calm down. We're going to help you. We're Frank and Jill Hardy, and he rec- they see that he recognizes the name Hardy, uh, and like then he pants. everybody. Yeah, everybody knows. Well, he's a world-famous detective. Fenton Their father, Hardy's. yeah. Yeah. And then that, that immigration guy shows up. He's fake. The, yeah, the fake guy immigration guy shows a up. Fake immigration he's like, guy. beat it, kids. He's like, I'll handle it from here. You tell me everything. You learn anything else. He doesn't tell them to tell anybody, though. No, he tells them, like... Basically, uh, scram. Yeah, yeah, he tells them to scram. Yeah. He might actually tell them to scram. No, he says beat it, because later because later Frank is like, it was weird that he told us to beat it. That didn't sound like an immigrations officer. Yes, and doesn't he have, like, a thick... He's a swarthy immigration he's, accident. He, yeah, officer. I think he has a swarthy face, and he's bald. That's the main description. Because oh. I, want, I want us to hit that. He's bald. He's bald. Because that's going to come back. Okay, so... This is great. The Hardys hurried to the customs office and gave a detailed account of recent events. The man in charge took down the information. When Frank described the bald man who had claimed to be immigration officer, the customs man made a quick telephone call. He hung up, puzzled. No one like that works for immigration, he said. We'll look into this. Thanks, boys. No bald people work for immigration. We have a strict anti-bald policy. (laughs) Yeah, the moment you said that, I was like, wait, bald? Yeah, exactly. What department I, cleared him? I wrote that, wrote that down too. No bald people work and for then, immigration. And then because all the adults are gone and, and Aunt Gertrude hasn't come home, which also like kind of crappy to send a letter being like, yeah. I'm going to be home I'm specifically gonna... this night. Yeah, pick me up. And then she's not there. Yeah. Right. But I guess that stuff probably happened I guess. a lot in the past. When yeah, you but then just like, you just be, be like, I didn't make my ship or whatever. Right, exactly. Like I'll send a telegram and they'll get it in like four days. <laughs> and I'll be home by then. Yeah, exactly. But then they're like, we should contact Sam Radley. Sam is an ace detective and assistant to Fenton Hardy. Have we, we heard of Sam before? We've heard of him twice now. And he, like three books ago and maybe five books ago, he's never appeared. Hmm. He's just Fenton's assistant. I imagine he's sort of like Race Bannon. Sure. Or well, but Fenton's Race Bannon. Yeah, exactly. So I'm now I mean, obviously with all of the with all the conspiracy theories about Fenton, I wonder if it's Fenton like disguising his voice. I'm Sam Radley. I'm Sam Radley. Don't worry, I'll pass that message along to your dad. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> I wonder if we'll ever get to meet Sam. No, you won't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, may- maybe someday. Okay, I'll say hi to your dad. Bye. Gertie does come home then. Is that like the next morning? Yeah, well, because they go to sleep and they're like, that was weird. I guess we'll try and get a good night's sleep. And then in the middle of the night, Joe wakes up, commotion downstairs. Mm. And so he's like, oh, he gets all ready and he wakes up. He silently wakes up, Frank. And they tiptoe to the edge, to, to the stairs. And they look down and there is a tall figure at the bottom of the stairs. And it starts coming up the stairs. And Frank and Joe are like, hold it, get him! <laughs> and then Frank and Joe beat the crap out of Aunt Gertrude. Did they really beat the crap out of her? I think they might have. They jumped her. They, they jumped, jumped her. her. Yeah. Morning, Auntie. They grab the shoulders of the inter- of the intruder. Yeah, but she does scream, "Stop! Help! Murderers! Mm-hmm. Bandits!" Yeah, and she hits um, a, hits them with her handbag a bunch of times. Right, and but then, they jump her. They jump their own aunt in the hallway. But then they help her into an easy chair <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, well, quite a fright. I wonder how many, like, how long they knew it was her and kept and just kept like, like I bet we can get a couple more. Oh, in. oh <laughs> Joe, it's her. Oh, 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 Joe, it's Aunt Gertrude. Okay, Ugh. all right, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah. And then, so yeah, the next morning, Chet's like breakfast senses are tingling. Yeah, because he shows up. He shows up for breakfast and he has a new obsession, which I had forgotten what it was, but you were right. It's clouds. It's clouds. And it's like, I not even meteorology, just like the basic. Yeah, and we're going to like, because this is another thing that I want to talk about later. But like, it's one of those things where as soon as I read that he was interested in clouds, I just had this moment where I was like, how much you want to bet? That Chet is going to identify clouds once or twice in this book. And that's going to be it. Yeah. Like, I'll bet $100 right now that after this book, Chet never mentions clouds again. Like, remember when Chet was an algologist? Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't talk a lot about sea life anymore. Uh, It hasn't come up. Yeah. Um, Not even even will he be like, he'll be like, remember, guys, those are cumulus clouds. Remember when I was way into clouds? Like, that will never happen. Hey, Chet, where's your goddamn metal detector? 
What? Oh, remember that metal detector when the guys wired that thing with a bomb? No, I'm just saying it's a cumulus cloud up there. <sighs> All right, Chet. Chet gets the guys to ride out with him because Tony's dad, uh, their friend Tony's dad, owns a construction company, right? Yeah. And he's building property that Big Chet's, subdivision. Chet's dad just sold all the land for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, he's basically like- Grand opening in a week. Do you, uh, you want to come out and go play in a construction site all day? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, that sounds super fun. A little dangerous, but they're teenagers. It's yeah. not like they're And like it's like a week old. till opening. It's pretty yeah. much like it's mo- done. model homes. Yeah. It's done. So they run out to this new subdivision, and there's dudes out there hacking at the buildings- yeah. With, machete. With machetes. Not axes or no. like not burning them down either. Or like chainsaws or anything. No, no. they've got straight up like machetes, and they're steel just swords and just hack. Hacking at the door frames mm-hmm. and things. Breaking windows. Breaking windows. Yep. They're just general vandals. And the boys, again, just charge them. Yeah, just, just race at them. They don't have guns or anything. Nope. Just race at the dudes. And they win. The guys run into the woods. That's what everybody does. They just run into the woods. Yep. Every single fight borders on woodland uh-huh. that you can escape on And these footing. guys, which also, like, maybe they should take that as a hint. Like, these people don't seem to want to... No, that's not true. Because as they rush these dudes... One of them, like, Joe slips and falls, and one of them tries to hit him in the head with the, with machete. the machete. Yeah. Attempted yeah. murder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And swings it down, and it's the same thing. Bullet time, and he gets his head right to the side. They decide that they need to get a good look at this area yeah. from the air. Right. That's become a, a running thing where they don't have any ideas. So they're like, what so if we get up in get the an air? airplane. Which obviously. Also, like, is micro, and this comes up in a minute, but, like, is micro eye okay with this? Yeah, it's a government facility, clearly making top-secret technology for the government. And their plan is to get into a private aircraft. It's not a government facility. No, it's a private corporation. Micro I Industries. Industries. So right. So that's, a, that's a probably a corporation or a, privately tra- or a sure. publicly traded company. Well, you know, a lot of private companies created uh, secret government technology for the space race. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, like, like, now my equivalent here is, like, Lockheed Martin. Sure, or maybe, like, even maybe a little SpaceX. Yeah, 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 sure, sure, yeah, okay. But even still, why would they be okay with you flying yeah, in their do, airspace? Yeah, we're just going to do a little flyover over this top secret. They fly over the top secret base, they fly over the subdivision, and right. then they fly over the bay where they see a shipwreck. But... The, the wreck of the northerly, but they I, see that from out Yeah, there. they do, but who is who is the person they call to take them on this? The pi- who's got like the best pilot name. Is it Jack ever. Wayne? Jack Wayne. Now, like, I want to read a whole series of books about Jack Wayne. Jack Ace Wayne, pilot. Ace Pilot. Exactly. Like, like I, he's got the brown bomber jacket mm-hmm. in my mind. He's got, like, a cool pair of, like, aviator He knows how to fly shades, every kind of plane. Every kind of plane. He gets behind it, and he's like, oh, it's been a couple years since I've been behind the rudder of one of these things. Is it mm-hmm. called a rudder in a plane? A yoke. Yo- is that what it is, really? Yeah. Oh. The thing that you... Like, not, like, joystick? No, it's yoke. Steery thingy? All right, uh, we'll, yeah. go, we'll go with Yoke. The center thing. And he's just got this great flyboy kind of attitude. Sure, he's like right in the middle of two jobs, so he's happy to take him up. If we ever make Hardy Boys drink book movies, I'm playing Jack Wayne. Awesome. I probably entertained that as – like back when I was a little kid and thought I was going to be a movie star one day. Jack I Wayne. I probably entertained Jack Wayne as a, as a name That's that great. I would have gone with. That would have been cool. But then – so they fly up there and uh, – Oh, no. Why would you boys get into a small aircraft? Yeah. With your record? Yeah, exactly. Fighting tornadoes, flooding, all that kind of stuff. But, of course, just yeah. the wing falls apart? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they fly up. and But you're right. They fly over and they see that they, – they fly out. They see the whole micro eye. Yeah. They see the whole kind of city um, laid above them. Oh, and but then for all this time that I'm thinking to myself like – can they fly like over that and would they be allowed to and then they kind of fly alongside it but they don't fly directly over it because then joe says something about let's go take a look somewhere else and but then jack wayne says that'd be a bad idea because if we get any closer if i start buzzing the micro eye plant they're gonna have me on the carpet and i don't mean a cloudy one and i was like wait so micro eye industries will shoot down a private plane that flies over its property cool yeah but like also I, i'm still it's a gray area that this company operates in here yeah like, <laughs> i want to find out about them yeah i want to know about more about micro eye you're right no you will not find you out won't. anymore about micro eye maybe a little bit <laughs> yeah uh yeah they go over the sweet shipwreck and they learn that they it was like, there's been this whole running thing with Mr. North. I don't know if we've gone to meet him yet, but... Yeah, we meet him at the... at the When he when they go to drop off the laundry before dropping off Aunt Gertrude. Right. And Mr. North owns a huge shipping, northerly yeah. Uh, yeah. shipping conglomerate. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and she was supposed to ride on his ship. And it was his. It was one of his ships that the guy jumped off of, the, sta- right. the illegal yeah. immigrant. All of the ships in this are owned by yeah, Orin by, North. By Orin North. Yeah, and um, North Shipping Company, which is like a failing shipping line. But he still kind of is doing that business, rich businessman magnate thing. I he was like a poor say, man's Lex, Lex Luthor is what I first time I met him, yeah. I was like, I don't think this guy's a bad guy. Really? The first time I met him, and he's like, hey, give me any information you can. These people on board. I was like, he doesn't have a bad enough name that that I thought wow. immediately, like, northern, like, lines. It, it sounded like something where I was like, oh, this is, like, a really lame attempt at, like, he's just a, a stuffy businessman. And I was like, oh, no, he's a straight-up bad guy. Yeah. Um, I feel like he was one of the more compelling. I of the, he's definitely been one of the most interesting the villains so far. But as because the very first time we see him, a, Joe is waiting in line at the laundromat. Oh yeah, that's right. His, and Orin North comes oh, in, yeah. and there's Joe is the only other person in the laundromat. But Orin North still feels the need to like push Joe aside, be like, "Get out of my way! My stuff's more important. Do this I, laundry now." I, I was like, I "That's totally a bad forgot about." That I was like, "That's scene. the villain right there." I'm sure in that scene, I was like, "Oh, bad guy." Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, but you're right. No, he is one of the more compelling. It's got characters. more things going. And he on. he he, uh, he offers them. I think this is coming right up. I think then they have a a meeting with with Orn. Well, yeah, uh, they because they get the, in the terrible plane accident. Should we right. go there first? Yeah, there's a terrible plane accident. Right, they're and fine, but it is a terrible plane accident. There's like the wings falling apart, and basically it's Jack Wayne being like, "I'm gonna try to hit a couple buttons." Yeah, and then exactly. he does. He's like, "Okay, we're good. We're good." Well, they barely coast back. Chet blames himself. Right, because every time he gets in a. At this, blame, point, you would blame, at this point, you would blame yourself, too. I can't be in planes, Yeah, I, apparently. We, we don't do the plane thing. Chet does spend a lot of time pointing at the types of clouds mm-hmm. when they're in the plane. Yeah. Uh, and, like, and again, coming back to Chet and his freaking cloud obsession, Chet did not tell me anything about clouds in this entire book that I didn't already know about clouds. And I want to specify that I do not consider myself an expert on clouds. I think nope. I don't know very much about clouds at all. He said those thin ones... Are cirrus clouds. Cirrus clouds. And those big puffy ones are cumulus nimbus. Yeah, exactly. That was like it. And I'm like, yeah, I know those ones. Yeah, of course. So is it one of those things where like that this was new cloud technology? Yeah, or the person who was writing this book was, uh, well, I mean, that, that Franklin Dixon was like, um, he was like, well, my kid's learning about clouds in school. So I've kind of like <laughs> got some facts about clouds. So I'll put those in. But I'm not going to like research clouds. No, I'm going to take time for that. up some cloud I'm going to do the fifth grade like clouds version or maybe there's just not that much to know about clouds maybe that's what it is let's see they get to the ground and they realize that two swarthy strangers were seen hanging around the plane Mm. so they assume it was sabotaged that somebody messed with their wings but would fall apart while they were in the air which check your wings before you fly your plane so then they get out and check the wing right and they find damage extremely consistent with With what kind of object a machete a freaking machete Ah! yeah yeah (laughs) Again, why are all coming into place here a little bit? They find out that there's all these like swarthy people running around Bayport mm-hmm. uh, investigating stuff. The stowaway, the guy that they rescued who jumped off of that boat, showed up at the showed police up at, department. He showed up at the immigration office. Yeah. And started asking about if they showed Hispanic up yet. names. Uh, We're going to get into the Hispanic names and how ridiculous they are in America. What are the names that he's asking about? Well, uh, Juan first of all, Posada. Yeah. They're all from the Juelas. Yes. The Huelas Islands. Huelas Islands. The Huelas, um, which mean the footprints. The footprint Because they look like footprints, and they come off of French Guiana, apparently. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about French Guiana, but we looked at it up, and these are not real islands. Not real islands, unfortunately. Um, which is good, because they, it turns out they're a terrible place. Yeah, you wouldn't want to live there. So do you want to check in with Bingo? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I can check in with Bingo. Let's, let's do check it. check in with Bingo. See where I'm at here. All right, so on the top, I'm just going to the top row across. Well, that plane was sabotaged, so that is a... Sabotage. Okay. I don't know if I have... I don't think I have sabotage. Oh, I do. Okay. Yep. There boys, we go. The boys have not been tied up. No secret passage. I don't think they've left Bayport yet, but I definitely have a fist fight. I mean, those guys had a Let's machete. See. No party, no picnic, no inventions, no animals. Mrs. Hardy left the house. Oh, yeah. She's, she's straight up gone. Attempted murder. That guy... Oh, my God. Attempted murder. Yeah. I don't have attempted murder. Don't, no Fenton Hardy. Haven't gotten our free square yet. All right. I'm, I'm done. Oh, wait. Oh, I, I wrote Oscar stuff. Uh, I'll have to, I'll have to fix that. What about um? What about trespassing? Oh yeah, because the guy's breaking into the, or is it the boys trespassing? Well, usually I mean it's the boys trespassing, but I think any trespassing in general. Well, there's been a fair amount of that in yeah. this book so far. Those there's vandals. like stowaways and vandals and all sorts of stuff. I'm gonna say trespassing. All right. Well, that's awesome stuff. Great. So as they're leaving the immigration office after checking in and finding out that the stowaway who jumped off. 
the ship has now been into the immigration office and been asking around. They're leaving the immigration office and they get stopped. Right. By a couple of suits. And the suits are like, you got to come with us. The Hardy stood dumbfounded as the tall, expressionless stranger rooted himself firmly in the doorway. There must be some mistake. Frank began, a voice from behind. Cut him off. No, there's not, boys. Come with us. We'd like to have a word with you. They turned to face a distinguished-looking, gray-haired man, the other stranger Joe had seen. The boy started to protest and then saw Scott nod reassuringly. Puzzled, the Hardys followed the two men into an unoccupied file room. As the taller man closed the door, the other held out a leather identification case. Roy Dykeman, United States Intelligence. One, his last name is Dykeman. Dykeman, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the USI? The... Yeah, USI. I'm not sure I'm Didn't familiar Google with it. that. <laughs> but he immediately tells them a bunch of really yeah. confidential stuff. He asks for no identification from them. He's nope. like, he's like, so I understand you guys might be the children of Fenton Hardy? Well, I can trust you with national secrets then. Right. Mr. Dykeman paced the floor. You were right not to reveal anything that could be detrimental to your father. He stated. Do you know where our dad is? Joe pressed. Not exactly, the agent replied. Let me explain. I am here in Bayport to supervise security for a vitally important project. He paused and smiled. We owe you two boys a debt of thanks for your alertness yesterday. You mean, at Micro-Eye Industries? Frank exclaimed. That's right. I know you can both be trusted to keep this matter confidential. Micro-Eye is in danger of espionage by aliens, internally as well as externally. We are counting heavily on your father's help. Like, what the... Why would you re reveal that information? Internally and externally, you're under attack by aliens? Dude, you're doing a bad job. Yeah, exactly, exactly. With you're United States intelligence. Yeah, and, and also the fact that he's saying he is providing... Again, I, I'm just... I'm still confused on the nature of Micro-Eye Industries' relationship to the U.S. government. It's a private corporation... Doing top-secret work. Top-secret work with its private on-site security being handled... By what I'm guessing is the CIA. Or the Secret Service. Yeah, Something exactly. like that. Yeah. Exactly. Like, uh, yeah, it's a gray area <laughs> that they're operating in here. So there's apparently a South American criminal syndicate called the Footprints. Mm. The Huelas. The, yeah. The Footprints. Yeah. Yeah. That whole thing. And they, what, is it Aunt Gertrude who thinks she saw Ricardo? Anyway, they, they decide to follow Mr. Ricardo. Yeah. Because he's in town. They chase him around, but end up running into Smuff. Oh, that's exactly right. That's yes. when the Smuff thing They crash happens. into Oscar Smuff. And really, I mean, this is some classic Oscar Smuff that Yeah, it's like a next. vaudeville bit. Yeah, absolutely. Should we, should we share it? This is what happens. They meet Oscar Smuff, and Oscar Smuff is like hiding in an alleyway. Yeah. And, and he's, he's like, like shh, 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 you're going to blow listening, my cover. Listening to some secret codes. And it's two construction workers. Who are eating their lunch. He's like, what would you get for lunch today? And they're like, tomato and bacon and lettuce. What about you? And he's like, sardine and pickles. Yeah. And he's like, the sardine. You think, you think the league's going to go all the way this year? I bet they get the pennant. Yeah. And he's decided that this is a... Don't you get it? He asked the boys. That's all secret lingo. Pennant is a munitions plot. And league is the explosive. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's like a vaudeville, it's yeah, like a vaudeville bit. A vaudeville bit. I just feel like they're going to round a corner and find Oscar Smuff with a machete through his face. <laughs> and they're going to be like, oh. That was in the 20s version. Yeah. Where, where they, they, got, oh, God. they got cleaned up yeah, for the 50s. Sanitized. Yeah. Because it just seems like if he actually found out anything about this... He's, you know, yeah. He would get murdered by these guys. He right, exactly. He doesn't. Reflexes. Yeah, the, yeah. The, that machete's coming towards his face. No, he's not. He's not in, entering bullet time to get uh, out of that. Anyway, they get back to their car after this whole stupid encounter, and their tire has been slashed. And there's a yep. note that's just basically like, "Buzz off, mm -hmm. Hardy Boys." It's right. one of those classic things. Nothing is more guaranteed to get them on the case than a note telling them to back. Yeah, off. yeah, to back off. And wait, like, but not only just a note telling them to back off. Whoever did this straight up destroys their car, oh, slashes yeah. all their tires, and uh, puts a machete through the. Yeah, back I was about to say, list, listeners, listeners at home, would you like to know what instrument they use to just go to town on the upholstery? Machete. machete. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're not very creative. Yeah. Um, when they get home, this is another one of those moments where I'm like, I, I feel like. Frank Dixon lost all of his notes about Anne Gertrude and, like, what kind of character this is. He gets home and she's trying to do limbo by herself. She's doing the limbo. Alone. Yeah. And what, what's the she's name got of a, the album? She's got a broomstick and it's limbo for spicy. Limbo, limbo for, for hot-spirited hot Latins. <laughs> 
those oh. those spicy Latins. Yeah. Um, Exactly. But then she calls then she calls it silly voodoo music. Yeah, which is weird. And Again, like I'm just not I'm yeah. not clear on who this new Aunt Gertrude is, and I think she might be a doppelganger. Oh, that's interesting. Came back from South America, not Aunt Gertrude. Yeah, I kept I kept uh, waiting for her to like reveal her Pull secret identity. Her yeah, exactly. Pull off her Aunt Gertrude These mask. Boys are crappy detectives. Mm-hmm. They couldn't tell that that central american guy wasn't actually aunt gertrude yeah. uh oh and then and then she then tells they find them, out that mr north is crooked yeah she she tells them that uh that he left a bunch of messages he really really wants to talk to them yeah but um, in like a way that's like you boys contact me right now yeah exactly where you're like oh, i don't believe that they go down to their boathouse they they think that the somebody might be hiding yeah, out down there. literally they just like have a hunch like maybe like, somebody's hiding like, at wonder, our boathouse. i wonder where that stowaway got to well, he did know the name of our boat. Maybe he's at the boathouse. That's literally like yeah. the logic jumps. It, it seemed like it was something along the lines of, imagine we went down to the boathouse. What do you think would happen? Well, we'd probably find him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's just do that. Let's then. just go there because where else is he? Gonna, he's not going to go to a costume shop. It's like Mr. in a video French game a bit, yeah. where there's like a long train of clues you're supposed to find to find out where a character is, but you just Google it and you right. find out he's down by the dock. Yeah, and then exactly. You just, go up you and just talk to him. run down there and he's like, oh, you didn't you didn't bring that, that like shoe from my mom or whatever, one of the million stops along the way. And then you drag and shout him into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> dos for Yeah, that's, um, that's right. But they get down to the boathouse and they were totally right. But not only is that guy down there, there's like a cutscene waiting for them mm-hmm. where uh, there's three guys cornering. Yeah, like guy. literally, like 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 that guy has been cowering at the end of the dock, and those three guys have been standing there, kind of rocking back and forth for the entire game, waiting for the Hardy Boys until to come you down come into there. proximity, and then they start speaking to each other. Yeah. and I bet if you took a couple steps away, it would. They and would then stop. like came come back in, they'd start the conversation again. Yeah, <laughs> and they see that they've cornered the stowaway, and then they, he's. They're like, well, we're going to save him. They just charge him again. Yeah. Even but though it's machete wielding. First of all, the three guys that are surrounding the stowaway really conveniently identify themselves. They name all of their names. The first guy Bald, says... Valdez, Walton, yeah, and Greber. The fat bald man paused and rasped out, Don't give us trouble. Valdez, Walton, and I are going to take real good care of you. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they got two of their names. And then immediately one of the other... Uh, Joe shouts, hey, startled the attacking men world. Grabber, it's those hardy kids. Get them. Okay, so the last one's Grabber. Great, they named all them. The boy, they get in a tussle, and it seems like they're going to win. And a guy comes around Frank and gets yeah. a rope around his neck. Gets a rope, yeah, and he gets, he doesn't even get, get his, his fingers. fingers. No, he can't. He can't. He's like clawing at the rope, trying to get his fingers in between the rope and his neck. But he elbows the guy. Yep, in like the solar plexus Throws probably. him into the water. Mm-hmm, which is amazing. And then he's like, I'm great. And then, uh. Everything goes dark. Right. Because apparently one of the crooks picked up a brick and just and hit him in the back of the head with a brick. Hit Frank Hardy in the back of the head with a brick. Or, as it goes in the book, the young sleuth had no idea how much time passed before he revived and saw Joe's worried face looking down. Frank, are you all right? Guess so. Except my head hurts. Frank stood up and touched a swelling bruise. No wonder. You got conked with this. Joe picked up a brick. Oh, great. Frank grimaced. Hey, the stowaway and those other men, where are they? Oh, no. Let's linger on the fact that you got hit in the head with a brick. I, I know, right? I wrote, holy fuck. Yeah, I know, right? Like, I thought oh! the same thing. Like, like Frank's dead. Like, a brick can cave in your skull. Right. By a man who's full of rage and is... And, is, like, and he's got a full, like, downward stroke from up above. I'm surprised. I'm shocked that Frank got up. So they go home and they like rest mm-hmm. up and I'm like Frank yeah. shouldn't go to sleep. Yeah, no, he should like, go to the doctor. Yeah, I'm going to go lie down back cuz our <laughs> concussion have me sleepy. Yeah. Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then Chuck comes over and he's like, "Hey guys, ready to go swimming at the shipwreck?" And they're like, and "Oh." And Frank's like, "Well, you know, I I, I kind of got hit on the head with a brick." And then I should probably rest for like a day. And Chet Chet's says, like, "Well, okay, I guess, but you know, some fresh salt, some salty water and fresh air do you good. Might do you good. Plus, you know, you guys did promise a guy like Chet, maybe you'd go to the shipwreck. And they're like, okay. Right. <laughs> and then they get on their swimsuits 
and they go pick up the girls. <laughs> I just, I just. Can't no, they don't pick up the girls. That's no, right. yeah, they go meet them later. They go pick up Tony. I just am imagining Frank like pulling on his swim trunks with like his huge gauze wrapped like headband to John. <laughs> going to take like, it off matted like d- like black with matted blood you, you, you know? can't take that off Frank yeah. no I'm, I'm, I'm just, fine. Fine. just gonna go for a little swim <laughs> and like them out cruising on the speedboat like, laughing like, every and, time they hit one of those waves just like <laughs> I just imagine Frank just like laughing with the rest of them and a little bit of blood trickling out of his, his ear. His ear. Yeah, exactly. nose. Exactly. Like, having a great time. It's yeah. all in montage. Sure. Vacation, all I ever wanted. Vacation. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, but they all decided to go swimming. Yeah, they all decided. Time to... Well, they go boating out to the their, – their idea is they're going to swim around the shipwreck. Right. But when they get out there, that that's not, that's not going to happen. No, their idea is that they're going to climb onto the ship. To a shipwreck, to a wrecked ship. Also, like they – they talk about how the shipwreck, the one it's that haunted. we're talking about, it's a haunted shipwreck. There's a ghost And it's out a there. giant old ship yep. that was owned by Orin North. Yeah, it's like a shipping freighter. Mm-hmm. That wrecked on some rocks in a really tricky part of the cove. Mm-hmm. And it then, was his first ship. Yeah. And then, which is like, <laughs> and then not only does it like wreck on the shore, but then they're like, we're just going to leave it here. As like a warning to people that these are dangerous. And I'm like, first of all, no, that's a huge ship. You don't just like that would be like remember when that um was like it the an Carnival eight, Cruise? Yeah, that that Carnival Cruise where the I wasn't the the captain like drunk or whatever and he all ca- kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but he capsized that whole turned they, it sideways. Yeah, if they, they had they left that giant Caribbean cruiser on his side and been like, that's a warning for everybody. And you think like parts of it are gonna break off and, and then like caught drift in away and undercurrents. Also, people are gonna go out there and like strangers and homeless people are going to salvage it for metal and then people are going to die. Well, like, apparently not because they go out there and yep. that's their plan. Yep, is to do this salvage mission. And then instead they, like the moment they touch the ladder to climb onto the shipwreck, it crumbles to yeah. dust. Yeah, Which is kind of cool. Like flakes away, yeah. But then immediately some people show up in a big white boat mm-hmm. and and try to ram them. Yeah. Not tell them to leave. Yeah. But they they, they try like, to ram and, and and then and also kind of like if in order for the Hardys to avoid being rammed, they have have to like head towards the dangerous rocks. Yeah. Right. So they're really like cornering them. And, and the boys can read the names of boats really well. Yeah, totally. Uh, and see pilots of boats really mm-hmm. well. And they yeah. realize that this is Orin North's boat. Yeah. It's but not they, like the Coast It's not Norin or, or it's not Yorin North uh, <laughs> uh, on the boat, though. Um, no. It's like the captain, and he comes out. And a man like, in a blue uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, what's the big idea? We're trying to warn you about these rocks. And he's like, warn us? You almost killed us. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, now you you stand warned then, don't you? I could just feel us scraping Davy Jones' locker. Um, yeah. Oh, man. That's a terrible one. They go see Jack Wayne again, and Jack Wayne's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm about to fly down to South America. You boys want to come along? He says he's been doing this for a while. He's been flying people back and forth from Cayenne for Microeye, specifically yeah. scientists for Microeye. From uh, Cayenne. And that's, they think, why his plane was sabotaged. Just because yes. he's Maybe got something to do to with Microeye. Science- why are they going to the Cayenne? Yeah, I'm not sure. And then he says, you guys should come along with me. Jack Wayne tells them he should, they should come to South America with him. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and then also Chet Morton should come. And they're like, count us in. Why would Chet want to go on this? And why would Jack Wayne think to be like, but Jack Wayne seems to sort of like Chet Morton. Yeah. He's the guy that flew Chet Morton to his party. Right. He was the Maybe guy. he feels like he owes Chet Morton because he's nearly killed Chet Morton Chet so Morton many times. Chet Morton did get shot at with machine gun fire once while in a Jack Wayne plane. Wow. And then another time he was in Jack Wayne's plane and it flooded and it almost sank into the ocean. This is amazing. This is am- I want more stories I don't about know, Jack Wayne. I don't know if he was in the Jack Wayne plane that got chased by a tornado. And which is amazing in and of itself. To be Jack Wayne sh- is great. Yeah, totally. I never thought he would be a regular character. You know who he? You know who else? And I won't. I don't want to dwell too long on Jack Wayne. But you know who else he reminds me of is in the nineteen 19- like Tailspin. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say something very similar in the nineteen nineties Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, the one that was like on mm-hmm. ABC in the in Saturday mornings. Yeah, the great. Uh, one. There's a character, and I have an action figure of him from my childhood, uh, named Ace Duck. 
Oh, and yeah. He's a duck in a brown bomber jacket, and he's a pilot, right? That's got to be like a Tailspin DuckTales reference. It, you'd think so, right? But um, I went Googling it, you know, because you fall sure. into a Wikipedia hole. And Ace Duck only appears in the cartoon. He never appeared in, like, the comic books. He's not a tie-in to anything. He's not a relation to anything. And if you watch that cartoon series, he makes two appearances in the entire series. The first is Michelangelo is eating pizza and watching a TV show and Ace Duck is the main character and it's just him flying a plane and being like, I gotta shake sure. these guys off my tail. Being it's... Airwolf. Exactly. That's literally all that you it is. You think they would have made it a wolf. Yeah, you'd and think. And done an Airwolf joke. Yeah. Or... Anyway. Anyway. And then, uh, and then like, way later, like a couple seasons later, they like need a getaway and Michelangelo's like, I'm gonna call an old friend and he uses his communicator and then the turtle blimp shows up and Ace Duck is piloting it. And he's like, hop in, boys. I'm famous actor Dave Duck. Yeah, exactly. I play Ace Duck on TV. (laughs) Get in your own blimp. And like. (laughs) That'll be $300,000 for the appearance. For my appearance fee. Also, I don't know how to fly this. Usually I just open supermarkets. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Ribbon cuttings. Um, But yeah, no, he reminds me of that character in a sort of like, we're Mm -hmm. just going to throw everything in the wall and see what sticks. And he's just going to have high flying adventures. And now I got to check back in what's happening after. Right. After that little TMNT tangent. Basically, Jack Wayne asked them to go to South America Mm -hmm. and to bring Chet, please. Mm. And they're like, well, good thing we have up-to-date health certificates and passports. Passports to trouble. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which passports to trouble sounds like a great name of a Hardy Boys. Yeah. Oh, totally. Maybe it's coming. So I'm like, yay, they're going to South America. But I should know better at this point than to think that they're just about to go. There's a bag snatch. They're like doing some errands with their girlfriends. Yeah, with Iola and Callie. This is after doing some seashelling that just for our listeners has nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with anything. Nothing. Um, They're going to go have a picnic. And on their way to the picnic, there's a bag snatch thing that happens. It's really weird. But they get down and they have a delicious picnic. But they find a really cool seashell on the beach. Yeah. And then a homeless man, a hobo, just like appears out of nowhere. Like, you'll get away from that shell. <laughs> He's a crazy beach person. Yeah. Which that definitely has to be added to the... The 50s version? No, to the bingo. Is oh, yeah, crazy a beach crazy people. hobo. Yeah. Because it's like Hobo Johnny, Pretzel mm. Pete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the guy... All those people in Shantytown. Shantytown, the guy that was in the... Um, that they had to pull out of that fire that they yeah. tried to burn to death. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's always like just crazy. Like tramps. Yeah, this guy's named Sandy, and he lives on the beach, and he sells. Surprise, surprise. He sells Sandy lives on the beach, huh? Shells for a living. I oh guess. my god. He sells seashells to Orin North. Yeah. Um, but it's very clear that like he he needs that shell that and shell only that shell in particular, and it's been clearly marked with a circle of footprints around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Footprints. Again. And then Chet's like, guys, storm's coming. I can tell from the clouds, and they're like, we can all tell from the clouds. Yeah, come on, Chet. Stupid. Doppler radar was invented in 1842. You're you're not some sort of you're not some sort of miracle man. Yeah, who are you, Johann's Doppler? <laughs> I don't remember if that was his name. Yeah, sure. He was Austrian. He was Austrian. We know this. Yeah. See, they don't find any fingerprints. Mr. Morton apparently owns a travel agency too. Yeah, comes yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, Dabble's, guy's got a lot of business. Yeah, his irons in a lot of fires. But his uh, it wasn't robbed, but it was broken into. The travel agency was, was ransacked. In, ransacked and broken. Yeah, and into. like somebody went through all their files. So he doesn't call the police, but he does call his friend, his son's friends. Yeah, who come and dust does, the place does for call prints. some teenage boys to dust for prints. But whatever, they got a good tracker. Yeah, probably yeah, better totally. They got a lab in their attic, so yeah. why not? But do you have a lab in your attic? I don't. And then they go to the airport. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. They go to see if because they were checking these like travel logs, and they find out Mr. Martin is somebody who's about to fly to Cayenne. Oh yeah. So they go to see if he's boarded it, and when he shows up at the last second, he tears his coat. But still gets on the plane. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then in the lining of the coat that he left behind torn, they they find find a little fragment and then sewn into the lining. Celluloid film. Yeah, microfilm. Straight up 50s microfilm. Yeah, which is really cool. Awesome. Gotta love microfilm. Yeah. I feel like maybe that should go on the bingo. Right. So they, yeah, they find out that these people. Oh, and it's blueprints. Blueprints of micro eye laboratories. That's right, yeah. And of a a device. Yeah, and of, of some sort of secret device. That's right. Um,. Have they gone back to their CIA? Yeah, okay, so then... They keep giving updates. Yeah, they, the, they keep going back to Roy Dykeman. Mr. Dykeman. Who works at Micro-Eye Industries. Mr. Dykeman, looking tired, rose from his desk in the small map-lined room. His expression was grave as Frank and Joe took seats. Uh, that's 89. Oh, okay, great. I was pretty but much... But anyway, right that's... Uh, 
It's just them talking about the spy. He's they're just doing all the work. Yeah, yeah, and then and like and and again like this is their first of all and this like shady dude mm-hmm. is this Mister Dykeman, um is the U.S. The, intelligence guy. Yeah, but he not CIA, not FBI, U.S. Not intelligence, NSA, U.S. intelligence, um, Homeland Security. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, he is the only authority figure. That they go through to th- through the entire book, like when like when they're they completely talk- disconnect from the police department, one hundred percent, and the immigration office. Yeah, when they report to when they uh, when they at this very beginning when they find the stowaway, they're like, any updates, please report those to North Shipping Lines, and I'm like, mm, not the police, and they're like, us first, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> sort of weird. Also, I just feel like it's these teenage boys who then the detectives are going, you know, at the police department, like Detective Scott's going to be like. Haven't seen you boys around the police station lately. And like, we work with the United States Intelligence now. Oh. Wait. Well, let us know if Are we... the feds operating in Bayport? Because they need to come <laughs> to need... my my this, office. This is my jurisdiction here. <laughs> well, take it up with the feds. Take it up with the feds. We're, we're going to we're we're go, go get to in South this America. helicopter. <laughs> go to South America <laughs> to fight a dictator. Yeah. Um, You're going to fight Castro? We didn't say Castro. Not Castro. They, um, Mr. Dykeman finally clues them in about the... Uh, I imagine you're curious about the nature of the micro eye project. I guess we'd have to admit that. Well, (laughs) the agent nodded. We've already had you cleared. You have the right to know the basics of the project, considering your involvement and cooperation in the footprints case, and because your own lives stand in considerable danger. Wow. Well, that's a lot of reasons to inform me, but maybe the, the maybe the less I know, the better. Yeah, exactly. All uh, kind of negating the fact that well, like one of them's a minor, and like <laughs> <laughs> so he says it's a camera, a, a satellite camera. Yeah, one so strong in range and definition, it will be capable of telescoping terrain from the highest altitudes. Even he chuckled, a baby's footprints on a gravel path. No. Yeah. First of all, no. Yeah. Also, like, why would you make a baby walk across gravel? Gravel. That's terrible. So mean. Yeah. Why would you do that why to that is poor that the baby? The first thing you think of is a baby walking across gravel. Like, right. it's going to fall down and cut its hands. Yeah, exactly. That poor little baby. They're, I mean, they can't even, really, it's not even walking, probably. But then, but then he wants them to be able to investigate micro eye. So he gives them some visitor badges, and he says, oh my God. this will allow you the run of the place. Stop back in my office if you come up with any hunches. Visitor badges allow you the run of the place. Of this semi-private yeah. military industrial complex. complex? Yeah, exactly. Like, at one point, they're, like, cruising around, and, like, everything's cool, and then they a they, stops they enter gonna... into, like, an especially top-secret area, and, like, a guy with a mustache is like, whoa, 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 hold on there, hold on there. And then they, like, flash him the badges, and he's like, whoa, sorry, sorry, boys, didn't see your backstage passes. Like, <laughs> and then they look around. Yeah. It's it's very much opening a new level in a video game. Yeah. We got our badges. We can go in here. And then he's like, let me know if you find anything. Yeah. Uh, but they don't. But they, yeah. But a guy does get accused of stealing the microfilm. That's right. That's right. Um, okay. Who gets, who gets accused? Just a guy. His name's Price. He's right. like somebody hid this in uh, in my pocket. I was framed. He's like somebody's trying to. Sneak I don't it. know nothing about this camera. The He's technician a, protested. A tiny micro camera. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, check in with Bingo again. Oh, all right. It's Bingo time. But halfway through the book. Uh, yeah, and this is uh, and and. Well, and he's got uh, Price has got that cool like uh, fake camera that like looks disguised to look like a tool. It looks like a yeah, like a normal tool, but yeah. it's actually a microfilm camera. Right. Yeah, bingo time. Okay, so an invention, definitely. I've got one of those. Oh yeah, 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 because of the micro eye camera, I got and one of those. An actual injury because Frank got brained with that brick. Oh my god, yeah, a picnic. Picnic. Do you have picnic? Uh, I do have picnic, and I am. Uh, that's two places where I'm like one away from a bingo. Oh, I'm so close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't have Fenton secret Hardy. codes, but I don't think it actually was no. a secret code no. because Oscar Smuff's a dumbass. Yeah, that's not a real secret code. Uh, no new vehicle. No red herrings. Um, there were when they went to the shipwreck. Chet heard screams coming from inside that's the ship. That's not a is, red herring, man. But is it a ghost? <gasps> Yeah, I don't have ghosts, but it he doesn't describe is. it as ghosts. Yes, he does. He says that it's haunted. Oh yeah, you're um, right. Which oh, this is another thing, and like this is uh, 
kind of uh, like off our, our plot line, but like, so Chet has been in, like you were saying earlier, Chet has been in gunfights. Yeah. Chet has been in plane crashes. Uh, Chet has been in explosions. Chet is afraid of dead people. Well, he, yeah. I mean, he's afraid of ghosts. He's afraid of spirits. Like, he has it's seen the something most that terrifying real-world stuff. Right. But that's the thing is that, like, if he – if anyone lives a life where he would actually like come across – Like, maybe one day see a ghost. A ghost. Like, a real one. So you feel like it's just him waiting for the other shoe to drop? Like, yeah, and, like, oh, now there's a real ghost, something we can't fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, like, he's like, you know, I mean, at least plane crashes, like, they, they end at some point. Yep, he says, listen, anyway, but he's joking around about the ghost in this one. He's teasing the girls about being scared of the ghost, apparently. At first he said, at first he, uh, he says he's not scared of it. Right, but then when they actually hear screaming. Then he gets scared and they're like, we thought you weren't scared. And he's like, I'm not scared. Girls are scared. Yeah, well, you peed. I didn't pee. I (laughs) I just got, I I spilled milk on my, I I dipped the very front of my swimming shorts in the water. (laughs) Just to test the temperature. You dipped your dick in the water to test the temperature just a... no <laughs> <laughs> oh chet how did how would you have done that chet <laughs> book 12 had so much good stuff this episode's going to be a two-parter before we go let's check in with kirsten nagy at cap city and learn more about that fabulous drink Hi, everybody. I am here at Cap City with bartender Kirsten Nagy. Uh, Cap City is a great local Denver bar at the corner of 13th and Bannock, right by the Art Museum. Yeah. Uh, so, Kirsten, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for asking me to be on the show. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about yourself. How long have you been working at Cap City? So, I've been here for six years. Um, I met the GM, Tatiana, mm-hmm. in nutrition school, and we started a little wellness center together. And so I started working here um, while we were starting our business, and that has since been put to the side. <laughs> so I'm still here. But yeah, I've been here six years. It's a great place to work. Um, Dino McTaggart's the owner. He just celebrated his 50th birthday last night here. We oh, had a big that's party. Great. It was really fun. Um, yeah, it's it's really is like a family atmosphere. How so, long has Cap City been here? Cap City's been here 10 years. 10 years. Um, and as far as bars or restaurants go, like we really don't have very much turnover i would oh say yeah the, no i've i've been here for years and yeah. i've always seen the same people it's i love the, it yeah it's a great place to work it's a great environment it's a small staff um we just have a lot of fun so what kind of uh what kind of people do you get at cap city i've seen um i've seen people sports fans here i've seen lots of theater people mm-hmm. here cops yeah uh, so we well we do um we are a minnesota vikings bar and a nebraska cornhuskers bar great um, big red. but we also you know obviously support all local denver sports um but <laughs> Yeah, we give a badge discount, 20% off, so we get a lot of paramedics and police officers, firefighters in here. We also give a theater discount. Oh, right. Um, so we get a lot of the theater community community in here. Missy Moore um, yes, who's is gonna one of be, our other bartenders. Right, and Missy is going to be our uh, host on this next episode, one <laughs> yes. of the reasons why we're teasing Cat Yeah, City. so she um, brings in a bunch of people from theater, and then the owner's wife, Piper, is also in theater. So she brings a bunch of people in from that. Um, we're really a neighborhood bar. Like we, most of our, I would say, eighty percent of the people that come in here are regulars. Yeah. Um, it really is like a cheers. Like we know your name, you know our name. It's amazing it's because you have an incredibly central location. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you you couldn't get more downtown Denver mm-hmm. than uh, well, I guess we could, but you know. Uh, so it's amazing how you always yeah. have bar, a bar like this, but it's still the traffic is so much local people. Yeah, it is. It really is the the um, Golden Triangle neighborhood. I would right. say is really. A great support for us. So, so you said that you met in nutrition school. The mm-hmm. owner, uh, the GM, the Tatiana. GM. So that's how okay. I ended up here. That's how you ended. But up that here. was you know years ago. Okay. Um, so how do you feel like nutrition school? The things you learn in nutrition school apply to your bartending. They don't. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Cap City has great food. Yeah, like, I know. Not that not that that you know we didn't learn to cook in nutrition school, but we do have great food. It's great. Um, most of the ingredients are homemade. Dylan's the head chef here, and he does a wonderful job with the yes, menu. I've never eaten anything bad at Cap City. Yes, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, it's just you know, I didn't think that I would fall into bartending, and I did, and I love it. It's kind of like you're being paid to hang out and have fun and socialize with people, and it's um, yeah. It's I have always said that it's it's one of those things where it's uh, 
like being paid to be the host of a party yeah. for good and for yeah. bad. Yeah. Like sometimes yeah. you show up at a party and everyone's already drunk. Yeah. And you have to, you yep. know, kind of get into the group. <laughs> that was last night for me. That I was showed up here one. for Gino's birthday and I was like, oh man, everyone is drunk already. Gotta catch up. Gotta catch up. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we are drinking a fabulously flavor-filled uh, martini. And it's, if I remember this correctly, it's your pickle... Dirty martini. Dirty pickle martini. Dirty yep. pickle martini. Mm-hmm. It has, you said, a house-made infused vodka with right. pepperoncini and garlic? So we have a bunch of different infusions. Mm-hmm. One of them is a pickle pepperoncini garlic vodka. And this drink has features that infusion. Um, this this seems like a love letter to my mother's tasting <laughs> cocktails. Um, I can't imagine a drink she would enjoy more than oh. this absolutely oh. filthy dirty Martini. Um, I love it too. Dirty martinis are my weakness. Yes. Oh man, you could drink just. But it's definitely separate. I like the complex nature of the flavors. Well, I always say I'm going to take a sip and pretend like I have not been mm-hmm. sipping it this entire okay. time. But oh, that's so good. It it you can really get that pickle yeah, flavor it's definitely, to it. Definitely. Um, um, but it's like not, pickles to like. Yes, I guess that's true. Uh, but it's not overpowering or anything. It's a great balance of flavors. So why? Why did you guys... How, so what are your other types of infused so, vodka? Um, well, so we have this, the pickled, pickled mm-hmm. pepperoncini garlic vodka um, that really goes nice in a Bloody Mary as well. And we have a Bloody oh. Mary bar on Sundays and a mimosa bar, bottomless mimosa Great. bar on Sundays. Um, we also have a pineapple rum. We have a pineapple mojito that uses the pineapple rum that we make. Um, a pineapple mango vodka, strawberry vodka, strawberry tequila. So we have a strawberry tequila. When did you guys start doing margarita. all of those uh, infusions? I, I want to say like three years ago, maybe four years ago. Um, no, I mean I it's you know. it's great. It really gives you yeah, a lot. Yeah, I mean of we have. I think we have. What else am I missing? Cherry pepper peach tequila. Um, yeah, we have a bunch, and we've kind of always tried new ones. Like, well, in the winter time, we came out with an apple cinnamon whiskey, and then when it gets a little bit warmer like we just sort of have um those are our staples and then we have like a rotating flavor coming through all right that's great so, so. tell me more about yourself when are you uh from colorado or are you i'm from pittsburgh Pennsylvania. Okay. um i moved out here in 2005 after college i did an americorps program out here and then i never left um that's great it happens yeah. to people yeah um so I've been, well, I, I actually did leave. I left for two years and I came back in 2008. So you're a liar. Here for okay. 10 years, I'm lying to you. Yes, I'm lying. <laughs> I can't believe anything um, you've said this entire time now. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a certified yoga instructor, although I'm back in school for my prereqs for nursing. So oh, I haven't great. really been teaching yoga for the last year. But I used to do a detox retax class here on the patio where it was on Saturday mornings, you got an hour of yoga and then a free drink. Have you uh, ever read any of the Hardy Boys books? Or any, what? It was kind of like a Nancy Drew for God Boys, right? right? It, okay. Same, I mean, I read Nancy wrote. Drew, okay. but I don't think I read Hardy Boys. What do you Boys. remember about Nancy Drew? I remember loving the mis- There was one with a hidden staircase or something that was my favorite one. Is that- We just did the did hidden really? staircase. Every oh five gosh. episodes we do a Nancy Drew episode. The hidden staircase oh, was our last that one. That was my favorite one. Oh, that's crazy to me. Because, That's weird, yeah. Because that was a very long and boring book for us. Oh, really? The reason why I say that <laughs> is the mystery in that book is there is a missing person in a haunted house. Okay. And that's an easy mystery to yeah. solve. Yeah. Because the, the, the missing person is in the haunted house. Yeah. That's why it's haunted. Um, and then it goes on for another 160 pages. Oh, my but God. There are you some guys read things. the whole book? Oh, we read... I don't really remember it. I just remember loving that, and I remember the cover of it. They're entirely um. disposable. One of the best things about this is that, yeah, we read the whole book, oh. and we talk through the entire plot of it. Okay. And then uh, and then I get to immediately flush the content from my memory, because you never need to think about yeah, it Yeah, you don't. They're so disposable. <laughs> you don't. Um, well, that's, a fun, that's really fun that you guys do that, though. Yeah. Are there any other... Uh, Children's book mysteries that you were into when you were a kid? Did you read Boxcar Children? I did read Boxcar Children. Yes, that's really funny. Um, we used to, like, play Boxcar Children. I don't remember what we would do in my friend's basement. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, how do you... Um, I don't remember. I think we probably just had the characters' names. Great. God, that that's all you need. Um, yeah, I read Boxcar Children. What else? What other mystery books were there? I mean, there were so many. There were Bobsy Twins, and there I was the those. Famous Five, and they, but there was a big those. wave of uh, mystery kids in the '90s. Um, we'll have to look. Yeah, I was uh, some kid at the museum the other day had a bunch of Ramona Quimby books. 
Oh, and I had I Ramona and Beezus. Yeah. yeah, I had forgotten all about that stuff. So, anyway, okay, oh, cool. Well, is there anything coming up at Cap City you want to talk about? Anything you guys uh, have going on or well, any we regular the Super stuff? Bowl, right? obviously. Super Bowl, Last night we had Dino's 50th birthday party. We had the Rail Vendors, which is a local mm-hmm. Denver band playing. What else? Viking season, unfortunately, is over. Um, that was a bummer, but. Well, we yeah. love that you guys are a Nebraska Cornhuskers yes. bar because mm-hmm. my. Uh, if I went to you and I think it would be fourth generation, but not really? none of us kids did. Yeah, my oh. my dad and my grandpa and my great. Are you guys from Nebraska? Yeah, we're oh, from. I didn't the, know that. Right, yeah, we're from oh. Rushville and Gordon, okay. like right across the, the state line. But uh, one time, it seems like a lot of times we come in here not realizing that there's some game, and yeah. then we're like, and you're like oh, it's oh, a yeah, Nebraska, it's Nebraska game. good company. No one's <laughs> going like to be. Do you like runzas? Upset. We have runzas. Yeah. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. There's a that's a special type of food. Yeah. You a know, special I've, type of American. I don't think that I've ever had one. And oh, I, yeah. Lucky Have God. you? No. They look, they actually look really good. They look they, really good and they smell really good. They smell but, really good. But they're not. They're not good. People love you know them. what? People love them. So they we must be good. We sell out every game, but people love them. Runza. Runza's with cheese. Oh, Kinda boy. It just looks like a calzone. Yeah. It's a... I, very German calzone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it was really nice having yeah, you on the show. Yeah, it was great to be on the uh, show. Thank you so Kirsten much. Kirsten Nagy at yes. Cap City. Come mm-hmm. in and see her. Have one of these fabulous dirty martinis. Yes. Oh, we also have trivia on Tuesdays at 7 o'clock. Trivia on Tuesdays, 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Okay. And tacos on Mondays. Anything else? I think Okay. Thank okay. you so much. Yeah, thank you. The Hardy Boys Drink Book Podcast is a part of their network. It is produced by Jack and Charles Wefso. Our music is by Danny Overby at Round 2 Productions. And our graphic design and photography is by Kristen Hallstrom. Special thanks to Kirsten Nagy at Cap City for making such a lovely drink. If you have any thoughts, questions, or drunken fan theories, contact us at The Hardy Boys Drink Book on Facebook or Twitter or at thehardyboysdrinkbook at gmail.com. And don't forget to tune in for the second half of The Hardy Boys Drink Book number 12, Footprints Under the Window.